Mary Brady, Josephine Carroll, Mary Carroll, I want to mean two sisters, Josephine Cassidy, Mona Cassidy, Kathleen Chambers, Chambers. Uh, Margaret. Margaret Chambers, Doreen Daly, Bridget Callan, Mary Callan, two more sisters of two, that's it. Mary Hughes, Mary Evans, Frances Caddy, Kathleen Caddy, they're probably two sisters too, to would last. There's two sisters there, Elliot, Eileen yeah. Payne and Harriet Payne as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's two here. Well, then these here on, on, on the left. And Margaret Lynch. Mary Mary Lynch, Aileen McHugh, and Mary McKernan, my two, my sister, Susan McKernan, my other sister. Every town has its story. The story in our town is the story of the fire in the poor Clare's orphanage in 1943. Thirty-five girls and one old woman died in that fire. There was a war on then. But the only story in our town was the burning of the orphanage. Remember at the, that day at the funeral, uh, we met uh, some of the children that uh, survived, and uh, they said that uh, Mary and Elizabeth were great fun, you know, to, to play with them and all this, you know. But uh, I never knew much about it. So. Yeah, I was confident there because you didn't get into it. You just adored. Oh, that was it as far as you got. You see, they weren't orphans really, you know. Orphans, I think, you'd have to, both parents would have to be gone, wouldn't they? But, uh, you see, once uh, the mother was gone, that was it. There was nobody at home to look after them, so they were described, all described as orphans, orphans, orphans. And that was it. They weren't all orphans. Some of those children had parents alive, and they were taken from them and put into that building. Name their names. Kathleen Kiley and her sister Frances... Mary Lynch and her sister Margaret, Kathleen Riley, Mary Carroll and her sister Josephine, Mary McKiernan and her sister Susan, Harriet Payne and her sister Ellen, Ellen Morgan, Catherine Chamber. Hello. Hello. Sorry, it's Kieran here from RT Radio. Oh, yeah. Is your doorbell broken? Sticks sometimes. Sticks sometimes. That's not right. You, is it? Q is my name, yeah. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. This is Q McKiernan. He is 84 and lives in Lachlanstown, County Dublin. This is Q's brother, Matt. He is 82 and lives in Belturbet, County Cavan. How many cows and cattle have you got? I have two cows and two calves on it now. But I used to have eight on it. And what age are you? Eight two. Next. Eight two in November next. Eight two in November next. Almost 70 years ago to this day, you and Matt lived in a small rented home with the rest of their family a few miles outside Cavan Town. Yeah, well, it's uh, born in Inchmore. Uh, 
Innisbrough, that's uh, Butters Bridge, Innisbrough, Butters Bridge, County Cavan. We moved then up to a place called Dermard. And uh, my uh, mother's name was uh, Elizabeth, and my father's name was Hugh McKellen. And my brother Matt was a year and a half younger than I am. And then uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, was, uh, was two years younger, and Susan, the other sister, two years younger, and that was it. But poor, but honest. A lot of hardship. There were very hard times. Money was scarce, nobody had money. And you had to work hard. If you didn't work, you didn't eat in those days. What happened to your mum? Your mum died. When, what, what happened that day? Well, she was sick. She suffered with her stomach a lot that time. She was in bed for a while, you see, and uh, nobody really knew what she died of. In those days, you know, a lot of people uh, went the same way. Nobody really knew what they died from. The doctors were scarce and hospitals. Well, a lot of people didn't people didn't have the money to go to the doctors or hospitals or that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so I don't she suffered she stomach trouble anyway. She died on a Sunday morning, the first of August. And uh she called for a glass of water and I gave her a glass of water and uh she just uh I heard the rattles in her throat and she just uh, closed her eyes and died. That was it. Sunday morning, the first of August nineteen thirty seven. And I always remember that morning. And that turned my world upside down anyway. Why were your sisters put into the convent? That was uh, the uh, rule that time. The clergy, you see, uh, decided that. The priest, the parish priest, decided that. He said, that, uh, no, no, no. They must go into the convent. Into the convent. And, uh, there was no uh, woman at home, you see, that looked after them. So that was it. But uh, there was a great friend of hers, my mother's, Mrs. Tubman, Mrs. George Tubman, and she said she'd take them, but she was a church of Ireland. And the priest said he wouldn't hear of that at that time at all. The priest, he would not hear of that. And he said, no, no, no. And she said, they can learn the catechism, say their prayers, go to Mass and all this. And I just uh, uh, reared them. I said, no. So that was wound up in the convent, unfortunately. And so they were in right away because I remember at the funeral, but if I can remember that so well, I shall never forget. One lady said to the, uh, and I was standing beside the priest when the mother went into the grave, and uh, she said, oh, she said, Father, the two little uh, girls are in the home. You see, and he said, it's not much loss where they are. Why that was, because we went to a Protestant school for a short while after moving house, and he did not like that. It must have been a very difficult time for your father going in and visiting. Oh, it was, yeah. It was indeed. But that was it. He had no say in it at all. None whatsoever. How did he react to it? Was he angry about it? He was, of course. <clears throat> he was angry, too. Mm. I said he shouldn't be in there at all, but what can I do? You know? Describe to me the convent. Well, it was there in the cabinet, just past where Donald's stores is now on the opposite side there. And there's a big old grey building, you know, two-storey way up. And great big doors out and all. Doors are really strong doors, you know, closed and that was just locked. So the, you, know, you went there to visit them the you rang the bell and the next thing they'd be allowed out to you for a few minutes. And you just talked to them for a few minutes and that was it. 
We were young that time and didn't know much sense anyway, whatever. And when your sisters came out to you, what did they say to you? I just said, uh, I said one time they said to me, they said, uh, our hands are very cold, we'd like gloves, you know, you see? And something like that, they hadn't much to say, you know, just chilling. They couldn't say anything anyway. It'd be too bad for themselves if they did, apparently. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have to be too make them very popular when they went back in. But I, I, I often said to myself when I got a few years older that uh, I'd love to take them out, get them out of it altogether. I didn't get them, wouldn't want them in it no more. My father wanted them in there either, but that was it. You couldn't do anything. You had no say at all. The same as if they were in prison. You just had no say. That was it. We're told that's where they're going to go and that's where they'll be. They were taken away. They had to go to Calvin Conway. My father wasn't able. They advised them anyway to get them into the Conway. Hmm. That was the root of all, that was the ruination. It took place. Tell me a little bit about your sisters in the convent. Did they seem happy in the convent? No, they were joy, they were jolly and joyful enough. I'd say so, playing around and everything. Just not comparing the same you were at school. A good crowd at school to be all happy and everything like that. I'd say that they must have been in a way happy and content enough. What could they do? Because I wasn't going to be coming back out of it anyway. They wouldn't be let out of it. Um, can you t tell me a little bit about the convent that your sisters were sent into? What kind of convent was it? It seemed to be all right. I never was through it. It seemed to be all right. At that stage, it looked to be all right. We only got as far as the sitting room. The time we want to get them out on the seat of Cabin. Yeah. She still met them when I was there and for a while and stayed with them while we were chatting, me and Q. Yeah. We, we asked her, could we get, her, get them out for, a, for an hour on the seat of Cabin? No. Wouldn't be let out. Did you ever see your sisters again after that? No. That was over Saturday. Nobody went to them all. That was the end of them. The nuns were there from 1869. The people said you never saw into that building until that night in February 1943. What the people saw when they broke the doors down was flames. What they heard was wood splintering and the cries of children. Name their names. Ellen Morgan, Catherine Chambers and her sister Margaret, Mary Harrison, Mary Hughes, Ellen McHugh, Josephine Cassidy and her sister Mona, Rose Wright, Mary Barrett and her sister... Well, all I was told about was... <coughs> that there was a, a furnace and clothes around it trying and they took little went to fire and that's what was supposed to have started the fire 
in Calvin Parliament. Whether that's the truth or not, I do not know anymore. Eileen Maloney was the head of the Red Cross in Calvin and one of the first people on the scene. It was unbelievable. You couldn't really describe it. You see, you were dealing with in an institution where the people in charge, or presumably in charge, the nuns, never mixed with anyone, never spoke to anyone, never saw anyone. Eileen is now 102 years of age. I spoke with her and her son George, who was a child at the time. Why did the children not get out as soon as the fire started? Number one, there was no one to organise them, if you like, when the fire started. And uh, I don't know how you'd... Uh, excuse me. I don't know how you'd... They weren't used to getting out. The only thing was... On a Sunday, a sister of the Mother Abbess, who was a non-entity and mm -hmm. never met anyone, she was the laywoman and she brought a number of children down to the cathedral to Mass. Mm -hmm. And that was the only outing they got. When the fire itself started, that was in the laundry, we're told. Oh, yes. Underneath the dormitories. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, now, I think... Is it true that the dormitory was locked, that the orphans were locked inside? Oh, yes. Yeah. And the key couldn't be found? No, but they had a very good idea. The sister of the Mother Abbess kept the key at night. She locked the children into their various rooms, or dormitories, mm -hmm. I suppose you call them. And uh, she mislaid the key. That was what we were told, the Red Cross mm -hmm. and those that went to try and get get the children out. Yeah. And when the children couldn't get out through the door, did any of them try to get out any other way? Oh, should they broke windows. Yeah. And the, some of the more cute ones and there were some of them, uh, managed to make a getaway. Uh, yeah. Some of them, I think, jumped down. Oh, they did, and damaged themselves very much. And I think some of them... I would, some of them jumped to their death. When the army got down to the convent... That was, you know, in the early hours of the morning, between yeah. 2 o'clock and so on. Yeah. What was the actual scene then, do you know? It was chaos. Number one, the local people, like John Kennedy and uh, the various organisations, myself and Red Cross, Wanted to go in, go in and do work, save people, like that. We were being blocked by the nuns. They locked the doors and wouldn't allow any 
above all a man <laughs> he didn't get in we could hear children crying mm-hmm. you know and uh, you could hear voices and I remember hearing a voice saying well you can't go in there you can't go in there you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. and uh, <coughs> what did you see when you arrived? No, they wouldn't let any people in. But this John Kennedy, the owner of the man in charge of Fagan's shop, they broke down the doors and they got in. And uh, what they found was not pleasant. They found children without legs, without feet, some with one foot, and others trying to break windows and get out. They saw a way of escape. And they had been there for quite... Some of them were there for a long time and were anxious to see the world as they would have looked... Because of the burning that the bodies sustained, you know, could you smell the situation or was there a... Yes, there was an odour. Well, I I presume it was human flesh. But uh, we were working there overnight, you see, and day and night were the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very unpleasant. Word had got through the town and word had got out through the country that fire in the convent and that people who had children there or had relatives there came rushing in saying, where's my child, where's my child, is my child dead? And I shall never forget trying to answer some of the questions. One man said that to me. He he had his, his wife had died. He worked with Arthur Simons, the saddler, and he had to put his two children in to be looked after. And they were being well looked after in fairness. And he came and he said to me, Miss Eileen, that's what he called me. I suppose, he says, my little ones are gone. Yes, I said, unfortunately, I have to tell you, yes, he said. Well, he says, God go with them. And thank you, he said, for looking after them so well for the short time they were here. After the fire, was there much difficulty identifying the children that were lost? What was left of them? Yeah. Is it true that there were simply arms and legs and different bits? Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. We got There were some of them had no legs. Yeah. Some of them had no feet. Some of them had one foot. And there were some of them with head injuries. Did one of them have a miraculous medal? 
Oh, she had indeed. And she got that, she said, I forget, she told us. It was an old story. We heard it a long time ago, The where she got the miraculous medal. I think it was a priest that... Yeah. And that's that was the only way to identify that, that her. That was the only one. Yeah. She, the, she was the only one we could put a name on. Yeah. Can, can you still sort of recall the, the smell and the noise after all these years? Or? I have spells of it. Yeah. And I don't want to remember. Mm-hmm. If you have children of your own, it's an awful thing to see other children with one leg, no arms, crying, get me out, get me out. A neighbour told me, yeah. Told me, he said, there was a bit of fire in the orphanage last night. Oh, my God, I said, and I, 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 I started to cry. I, I thought it was the worst, of course, you know. And I went into Butler's Bridge then, Butler's Bridge, and um, I, uh, the post office there, and I on the phone there and uh, rang the uh, guards in cabin. They checked it up, and they said, yeah, they said, uh, there was one gone, and checked up on the other one down, and... Uh, Discovered and both their, their names on the list were both were gone. He said, I'm sorry, and that's all right. So I thought he had to say it to it about it. Yeah. Yes. I wouldn't like to see anybody having to go through that again, anyway, that we went through. Hmm. No. I couldn't believe it when they said it's the tuna were dead. I couldn't believe it when even when I heard the first was dead. Oh my God, the tuna was dead. I was just, I was stunned. I didn't know where I was. Put down the phone. The guard said, I don't know, the tuna were gone. Sorry, he said. That's it. So it was about. Till this woman came out in our dawn and I was heard with told me Mrs Gaffney Mrs Tom Gaffney of Ardonan she told me she broke the news to me on the, on the street when I was up in the load of sticks in Ardonan to find out what they, that I shouldn't run out over, over home and quiet and see what they saved I went down to Milton to Father Kelvin, the parish priest in Milton. He said, don't worry about them, Matt. He says, they are all right. Oh, they didn't want to break me the news. Whether they knew or not, I do not know. Whether they knew the story, I do not know. Did you try and go to the funeral? I did. But the, the funeral was gone to Colour's graveyard. When, I, when we had... When we went into cabin, they heard that the, that the hearse was gone to, gone to the graveyard with the remains. It's a 36 and an old woman. 
so you, did you miss your sister's funeral then? We, we, missed, we missed the funeral. Couldn't do much about it. And what happened after you missed the funeral? Did you just come home? We came back home here. What could we do? It must have been a very kind of lonesome drive home. It was. It was a tight go, tight finish. Did you call into the nuns at all in, in, in Cavan after that? After the funeral, it was. After the funeral. She wondered would there be any compo, would, she, would, would her and the nuns be able to get any compo, compensation, for the tragedy that happened in Cavan Convent. And who were they looking for compensation from? Of my father. And, we, and he hadn't a shilling to scratch himself after losing his, his daughters. Oh, not at all. It was a hard life. I don't know. Did anybody did, did, even ring you up about to tell you when the funeral was on? No. So you didn't even know when... Didn't know a thing. Was that the reason Only why... Only it was gone to college graveyard. When we arrived in Cab, me and my father. Was that the reason why you think you were late? You didn't have the definite times and... We were late because the hearse was gone out the road to call us graveyard. At no time of anything. No way. Knew nothing. What was taking place at all. Did anybody ever contact you? Did you ever receive one letter about your sisters? Did no, you? no way. Did anybody ever ring officially from the convent? No. From the government? From no. anybody? No. In no way. No correspondent at all. Not more if you're dead or alive. That, that must be a very strange experience to lose two sisters and then never receive a letter about it. That was error. There was a tribunal, but the people never believed in it. The tribunal decamped from Dublin to Calvin Town to talk to the nuns. The mother abbess was asked one question. The children that survived were cross-examined for a long time. One of them was asked 500 questions. In the end, a loose wire was blamed. Some of them children that survived were heroes. They saved the younger ones. No one recognised that. They praised the nuns and damned the faulty wire. The people talked amongst themselves. Why did those children die? Name their names. Mary Barrett and her twin sister Nora. Mary Kelly. Mary Brady. Dorothy Daly. Mary Ivers. Philomena Regan. Teresa White. Mary Roach. Elizabeth Henfey. Mary O'Hara. Bernadette Serridge. Be there until the day I die. Because the thing is, it shouldn't have happened. No. It should never have happened that. No, it was a disgrace. But that's the way it was that time. Got away with it. Yeah, doors should be open and that's it. And yeah, I never could understand that with the police outside and all the doors could not be open. That beats me. I never understand that. Love somebody to try and uh, describe to me why they were closed. And, how they were closed and all that, and explain why they should be closed. It's nonsense, you know. Yeah. 
It's sad that we didn't have uh, Christmases like we nowadays together, you know. The home was all broken up over it, and that's it, and they were gone, and the mother was gone, and nothing was the same. Nothing. No. Nothing was the same. And uh, nothing we could do about it. Oh. It was a crime, anyway, that's what it was, in my opinion. A horrible crime. But there was nothing done about it. That's what uh, angered me. I mean, it was murder, in my opinion. Not a strong word to use, I know, but what else can you say or think? Mm. I called the concentration camp. Well, that was on the one the heading on one of the papers the next day, the day the, the night that Belson came to cabin. We know who, what Belson was and where it was. And that's how they described it. But, oh, every time I pass up and down by that, for anybody in the car with me that don't know the area, doesn't know the area, I say, there you are. That's the concentration camp. That's what I thought of it, and think of it, and not as well. Yes. Do you have any mementos of your sisters? No. Not at all. Do you have any photos? No. No photos. But I hate looking up at it. It's a hairdressing saloon. I don't feel, I feel bad. I'd feel, to, to take it, it'll bring me back and if it's any with me, I tell them. That's Canman Conman. That's what the big tragedy was. No fire against at them. No nothing. And the place, place raging with fire. Send away the dog for the fire brigade. There was no one in Killishan, no one in Bellaconnell, or no one in Cavan, or no one in Beltorban. They got one in, in Dundalk. I, it's all done up now, it, and re, rebuilt and repaired and everything. A different setup now. We're buying that time. Was it harder for you, do you think, than somebody, like as you mentioned, other tragedies, that you were separated from your sisters? You didn't get to see them for the last six years that they were alive? It, it, it went down well, and we hadn't been able to get them out in Cavan. That time we called with a few things to them. If they had to let them out for a half an hour or so on the street of Cavan, it just didn't work. It wouldn't work when we went to Cavan. What would you have done for that half an hour or an hour? Just chat them and bring them up and they'd be running after us. I'll bring them back to the convent, to the mason. No. It wasn't going to work. They were sworn in there that no one ever, no one, no one owned them. Uh, of any more. Mother or father, brothers or sisters. No one owned you anymore. Only them. 
the nuns and the matron. No. They often warned that you'd be better off knocked away in Dalmody. The military had to put in the door. Knocked away upstairs and way down. You'd be better in jail. They often do, but I wouldn't say that that way. They always thought that. Them children were given numbers when they entered that orphanage. The people remembered fathers banging on the doors in the early hours, drunk. Them children were the children of the poor. People talked amongst themselves. What was for them? Sure God took them. They were innocent, them children. They went straight to heaven. What was for them but the boat tingling or marriage into a few acres of bad land, if they were lucky? Name their names. Mary O'Hara, Bernadette Serridge, Mary Lowry, Bridget Galligan and her sister Mary, and Mary Smith. Making this programme, we found it difficult to locate survivors of the fire. Looking through the RTE archive, I found a 1985 interview with Michal Holmes and an orphan, Teresa Brady. I thought Q might like to hear it. She had a, a broken arm. Um, Instant panic. Or a panic, or pandemonium. It was panic all over because everybody started screaming and calling the names of their sisters, those of them who had them there, you know. And uh, Would the sisters have been in different dormitories? Oh, uh, oh yes, yes. Yeah, in our dormitory there were, um, uh, there were two sisters and there was another of their sisters in the Sacred Heart dormitory where she lived and they were burned. And uh, like I said, uh, when her mother came in then, she turned bitter, very bitter, and uh, she dressed uh, the only daughter that was left in scarlet red for the funeral. And uh, she vowed that the longest day she'd live, she'd never stand inside a Catholic church again. Mm-hmm. That, I always remember, stood out in my mind. So you were all in this dormitory? Bodies that on them all went down. Oh, it wasn't just smoke? Oh, no, no, no. The flames were... You'd hear their timber crackling and everything. It was really terrible. Wardrobes and drawers and everything. And then the floor started going down, the beds on it. And see, then with the the force, it all come back up. And you'd see the flames. And then through the flames, you'd see the the bodies and all. It was really... it It was horrific. And it gradually came up and up, right up to the windows. And like I said, before I came out, I looked round and there was a young girl on her bed, but uh, she was dead because there was no movement out of her at all. And, uh, oh, it was, it was really terrible. And, How many had been And um, she, when the panic started, she told us all to get down on our knees and say the rosary and make an act of contrition. And uh, I know I was going up, I was in the window, and she kept saying, get down on your knees and say the rosary and say the rosary. Well, I said, I'm gasping, I can't breathe, I want air. So some of them listened and some of them didn't. It was panic, really. All they wanted was to get out, you know. And um, there were 30, 36 burned all together, an old lady and 35 children. Mm-hmm. And, um, Do you consider yourself very lucky to have escaped? Oh, I think I was, I was one of the very, very lucky ones because I could quite easily have been burned because... By the time the help came, really, I hadn't long to wait because there was only a few yards of floor left. And then, uh, like, the roof went off as well. So the before I came down, it was actually, I could see the gate on the sky. 
Do you think back on it much? How would you like to sit in my mind now today as yes, it was yesterday? If I think of fire, I see all them flames and I see the beds going down and the bodies and then the force bringing them all back up. It's horrible. Horrible, really. She mentioned to uh, the couple of uh, sisters, she said, in her dormitory. And uh, it was a terrible experience for her. So, no doubt she'll never forget that anyway. That's one thing, sure. It's a long time ago, but however, we still remember it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. A long time ago. They buried them children above in Cullies. They carried them up. 36 bodies in eight coffins. Since then, they put three headstones over them. The further away we get in time, the bigger the headstones got. In the beginning, they never said the date or how they died. In the beginning, they never named their names. From the beginning, they never said why they died. Now they name their names. But the mystery remains. There you are now. There was Mary. She's another there. There was Mary's name there, and she she was next to me. When she, and I'm, I'm, I'd soon be eighty-two, and she'd be, she 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 she'd be eighty-two. I'd say. 82, and she lost her life. She'd be supposed to be 16. And then... And then Susan was... Here we are, here's Susan, here all the time. That's the other one. Cullis Graveyard, near the Cavan Bypass, is where the 35 orphans are buried. Matt wanted to bring me there to show me his sister's final resting place. I like coming to it and say a prayer for them, even I can't meet them. Don't talk to them, see them anymore, see them ever, ever anymore. I'd be, be lonely, but I like to come. This time, this last Christmas two years, me and a neighbour came here. And I haven't been here ever since till the day. Because I, unless, to come out from wherever I was in Calvin to come out. And, well, I, I like going by, I always say a prayer when I go by that road to, to the, the daycare centre in St. Fenham, which I will be up there on Friday again, once a month. Yeah, but I, I just look in at it. I never say to them in, in the armors with me. And that's when my two sisters died. They just, yeah. And on the road back. Back home. As I walked away, I was struck by the last thing Matt said to me. Again, it was that same regret. But everyone had it. We all, we all had big grief. Grief, grief was a big. 
big grief and a big loss. And but then we couldn't do much more about it. But it was hard to ever forget about it. It makes you always think. Not when we tried when they were alive. Me and my brother, Q McKellen. That we could have had them out for one hour. But it never took place, it never happened.